Sitting in a box undigified Gonna rewind and give them one more try Think about the days of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex and TDK Getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day Mixtape Phonograph and dual cassette Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet Mixtape Line in, line out if you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker, turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice of time Welcome to Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is Side B, a novelty holiday mixtape where we curate a collection of novelty tunes to keep you smiling during the holiday season. Yes, we do. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, and wow, I, I'm going to try my very best uh, this week anyway to not be quite so off the, the mark. It's fine. We know you like the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yes. I learned a lot. I did. Um, now, I just, I, I do apologize for my rambling uh, on side A. I, I couldn't even read my notes. That's part of the problem. I, I have difficulty reading right now. My glasses, when I put them on my head, are skewed. You should get one of those bands that kind of keep well, them Well, the, the problem is that the way that the, the gauze wrap is... Oh, it's the angle of the glasses. Yeah, it's, yeah. I can't actually... They don't rest on, on my left ear. I can't. They have to be up so the, the glasses are tilted, which gives me one lens to look through. And it's it, that itself, I can't read or write, which is one of the major reasons why I'm off work for so long. But as an English teacher, it's just... I can't even... It's even slow grading because I can, really can't wear my glasses to, to read and without them, I can't read. So it's um, there was that going on last last time on side A, but two, the painkillers were just they they had me just kind of floating. I didn't know where I was going. Hey, that's not much a bad of the thing, time. Man. No, it's not. But uh, I'll, I'll try to rein it in a bit here on oh, side yeah. B. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. Yeah, let's do this. Um, excited about this one. Uh, I'm going with a classic. If if that is, you grew up on the Rankin Bass holiday specials. Um, the classic Mr. Heat Miser. Yes. From, uh, in this case, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, 2004, from their uh, Christmas LP, Everything You Want for Christmas.
too much. Now, last week I kind of ended with a, a swinger with uh, Brian Setzer, so I'm going to start with one as well. Um, and like I said, this is a callback to the Rankin Bass holiday specials of our Gen X youth. And in this case, um, the year without a Santa Claus. Yep. So you had um, Rudolph, you had a little drummer boy, um, what you'd have later on have um, uh, the New Year's, um, Rudolph, Shiny New Year. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this was the, uh, uh, this one was 1974, so I think this was the third one. Yeah, it followed Rudolph and Little Drummer Boy. So it's the, uh, if you're not familiar, it's, it's the puppets, the stop motion puppets. I don't know that I've ever seen the Little Drummer Boy. Oh, yeah? Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I, now that you say that, I, I, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, it's it's more religious themed. It's it's more about the right the Christian um, story. Well, it does. I, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up watching Peanuts, so you know yeah. there was nothing quite like a Jewish child, you know, watching the the Christmas Peanuts, you know, cartoon, <laughs> trying to figure out when when Linus goes into his he goes you know, into his, his um, preaching mode. Yeah, and Jewish parents everywhere just sat there in the other room and had no <laughs> worries about. They're confused children. <laughs> so, but Rudolph but, is obviously the the, the best known. Oh yeah, um, and no Shining New Year I think is number two. This I think uh, would be number three. The year without Santa Claus. Um, it's been part of the holiday canon, uh, especially thanks to cable television, which kind of rec- uh, resurrected some of these. Now I know Rudolph was always an annual um, play as well as the um, Shining New Year. I'm not sure if Year Without a Santa Claus was on a. A yearly rotation when we were kids. I think it maybe wasn't because I'm not. I wasn't as familiar with it I've only until they started playing yeah. it on cable later on. I was going to say I only saw it a few times yeah. growing up. Yeah, but now it's on. It seems all the time. In fact, in 2006, we were offered a live action version of the film. Are you aware of this? No. Okay, starring Michael McKeon as Snow Miser and Harvey Feinstein as Heat Miser. So far, that sounds pretty good. But let me give you a little spoiler here. It is not. <laughs> It is not good at all. Um, the only reason I came across this last year, I think I was just flipping channels, and I saw uh, um, Michael McKean dressed up in this ridiculous outfit, and I'm like, what the heck is this? And uh, it, it was this song, actually, which is a great song. Uh, boy, the movie is an abomination. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm trying to even imagine Michael McKean... Um, in the role, yeah. Well, look, look it up on the computer. I'm sure you can find a, an image pretty quickly. I, yeah, I am. It's uh, okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Wow. You'd yeah. Let, and Harvey Fein, Feinstein or Firestein is uh, is great um, as, as Heat Miser. Um, that's to me like the only um, good part of the of the movie itself, um, as you'd expect. He did a, did a nice wow. job with the character. I love that Big Bad Dude Daddy covered this one for their 2004 Christmas record. Um, I think the song um, is the highlight of the holiday special, and the band covers it exactly as one would expect. Traditional, but with a fresh modern sheen. Um, I can listen to this one on repeat, and it always brings me joy. Oh, yeah. Great song. I And I, I love Big Bad. In, in the 90s, when we had that return to the, you know, the, the, the yeah, jazz feel mid nineties for a little yeah. sliver of time we had the whole yeah, swing music swing back. thing came yeah. back. Well, in the rockabilly, you know, there is a still a very strong, very loyal fan base to the whole rockabilly movement, um, both fashion, music, you know, pin up, all that. But um, in the nineties, yeah, there was about a two or three year period. The swingers, the, the movie, movie swingers, swingers really helped. propelled that, yeah. and, and, and the squirrel nut zippers, big bad doo doo daddy. There were a, a lot of swing oh, yeah. bands that were. 
Cherry Pop and Daddies. Cherry Pop and Daddies. One. Yep. Brian Setzer, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was it. It became very, very popular again. Yeah, Lenny Kosnowski should not be in this role. This is just <laughs> I um. I mean, maybe maybe if he had performed it with Squiggy, with Squiggy. I <laughs> well, don't you're gonna know. have to watch it and you release I, that song on YouTube. Yeah, just I'm to not, get an now idea. I'm just uh, yeah, I have it's to see it. Bad. I can't not see it. It's pretty so. bad. Um, yeah, so that's all. That that's um, great tune. I guess I could have gone with the original, but I just like the modern sheen. Like I said, that uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy brings to this song. Yeah, now they do a fantastic job. Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Man, I loved them. And I, I still do, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, in fact, they came out. They, they had quite a few covers that were really, really good. Um, especially, the, they have a Jungle Book cover of oh, yeah, "I yeah. Want to Be Like You." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's that just rocks. So, yeah, they they, they pulled from a, a number of sources. That Some one of might have was, been on the Swinger soundtrack, actually. Really? Yeah, it might have been. Huh? Might have been. I had to go back and look. Yeah, pretty sure it was. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, because they used to pull from a number of sources, and a lot of it was very kid-friendly. But, um, yeah, no, I I kind of missed that because I, I was always a fan of swing music. So when it uh, became popular and fashionable there in the 90s, I kind of felt like, you know, I was rewarded for having been, you know, an anomaly in my interests. Yep, but it's on the soundtrack. Is it? I want to be, like be like you was on it. Go Daddy-O uh, is on it. I remember, I remember Go Daddy O. And yeah. uh, You, Me, and The Bottle Makes Three. So there are three uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy artists huh. on there, as well as classics like George Jones, King Floyd, Jazz Jury, yeah. Love Jones, Roger Miller, Dean Martin, Louis huh. Jordan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did not realize that the Jungle Book cover was on the Swinger soundtrack. That's pretty cool. I have to, actually, I haven't seen the movie in, well... 30 years so we have to go back that was the same it. I remember one night I, I rented two movies I think my wife was out of town I rented Swingers and, and Sling Blade oh okay both big independent films of the year and then Mad TV that next week did a mashup called Swing Blade are you serious about a killer that was in the swing <laughs> that's awesome two movies I would not imagine mashing, <laughs> mashing well that, that'd be a monster mash yes, what that uh, there would you be. go alright alright so um my first pick this week, I give you Snoopy's Christmas by the Royal Guardsmen. choose the sequel to this song on a previous well no i i was going to go with this one um season our first season okay. holiday special 
Um, we got down to the alternates because we had so many doubles. That's right, that's right. And I had Snoopy's Christmas as one of the alternates left, and I didn't go with it. Right. So, in fact, I had two alternates left that, that didn't get picked. It was Snoopy's Christmas and Run, Rudolph, Run. Okay. Which we've ne- we've never used Chuck Berry on that's any right, of our holiday specials yeah. either. Um, but, yeah, it just seemed like the perfect time to bring it back because we are doing a novelty episode. Um there was a huge hit record called The Battle of New Orleans by Johnny Horton. And he was a country and pop singer, and the song went to number one. Three months later, he had a song called Sink the Bismarck, which went top ten. These were both recapitulations of, of wartime, and inspired by Horton's success, songwriter Dick Holler decided to write a song about Manfred von Richthofen, uh, also known as the Red Baron. And... Um, he was, for those that don't know, their World War One history. The Red Baron was an infamous German pilot who shot down dozens of planes in World War One. Uh, he recorded, Holler, uh, recorded the song at Cosmo Studio in New Orleans and spent the day adding airplane and machine gun sound effects. He then shopped it to every major label, but nobody was interested. The song sat on a shelf for three years, but then an unlikely ally came along, a cartoon dog. Okay. One Sunday, Charles Schultz introduced Snoopy flying in the doghouse, being chased by the Red Baron, and a light bulb went off over the head of Holler's producer, Phil Genhart. Genhart had recently signed the Royal Guardsmen, a six-piece band of high school and college kids from Ocala, Florida. Um, and uh, Gernhart, uh basically, in the band, they, they went to Charles Fuller, um, studio in Tampa, Florida, and they recorded what became Snoopy versus the Red Baron. Uh, Schultz was not a fan. No? No. He did not care for the band. He hated the song. (laughs) He refused to uh, give any artwork for the record, but then the song took flight, if you excuse the pun. Uh, The the single and its album, it, it outsold Schultz's Broadway recording of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and the complete Peanuts discography of jazz pianist Vince Guaraldi Combined. Hmm. That's how popular Snoopy versus the Red Baron was. As Chuck Berry found did, out, did he get a cut or what? Because it was a parody. Oh, you're going to talk about that. Yeah, okay. getting there. As Chuck Berry found out when he wrote a song about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, just talked about uh, Chuck Berry there for a moment. Um, you can't write a song about a copyrighted character without compensating its owner. It's unclear what legal action took place regarding the song, but the label cut a deal with Schultz, and the rest is history. Now, as was common at the time, Snoopy vs. the Red Baron spawned three sequel releases. The Return of the Red Baron, Snoopy for President, and lastly, Snoopy's Christmas. In Snoopy's Christmas, uh, again, my my selection for, for this week, Snoopy and the Red Baron are fighting once more when Snoopy makes a fatal mistake. And the Red Baron has Snoopy in his sights, assuring a direct hit in Snoopy's death. But the Red Baron decides not to shoot and instead forces Snoopy to land and gives him a Christmas gift. Um, this was, in, in many ways, um, in reference to the great Christmas truce of 1914 Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, between the British and the German troops, uh, mainly on the Western Front. Uh, trench warfare had created a bit of a stalemate, and the soldiers were able to communicate with each other. They negotiated a ceasefire, and they even exchanged small gifts like whiskey, rum, cigars, chocolates meeting in what was called No Man's Land, which was the battlefield between the trenches. 
um, the two lines um, from the traditional song O Tannenbaum are featured at the beginning of Snoopy's Christmas and the singles that preceded it uh, there are several sound effects that are repeated here zooming airplanes, sounds of gunshots explosions of bombs and this time Christmas bells um, but yeah it, it is uh, it, it is a sequel to you know Snoopy versus the Red Baron but it also was written very much with the, the truths of 1914 in mind um, Snoopy's Christmas did not chart in America but it gradually made its way onto many holiday playlists, and it has since become a Christmas favorite. In Australia, the song went to number one for the last two weeks of 1967. So, yeah, our, our listener who, who wrote to us from Australia, um, perhaps I mean, I'd be curious to know if Snoopy's Christmas gets more radio airplay. It might, yeah. There, yeah. having been a number one single. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of the Snoopy songs. Royal Guardsmen, my, my dad had the the LP um, from 1967. I used to play it all the time as a kid. And um, eventually, I remember he, he got me the 45 of Snoopy versus the Red Baron. Snoopy's Christmas for a long time before the age of the internet was very, very hard to find. Sure, yeah. And I never heard it on radio, you know, ever during the holiday season. I think I heard it maybe two or three times and I searched and I searched and I searched. Could never find a copy. This is one of those examples where you know, the internet, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music. I miss vinyl, but there is such joy in being able to type in the name of a song mm-hmm. and finding it, you know, on a whim. Yeah. Because totally. as a kid, man, I would have given anything for that. I remember wanting to hear this song so badly, and it was near impossible to, to ever be able to. Well, so. Here's an example. You know, I th- this is kind of funny. I thought about doing a, a solo project for the Gen X mixtape. Oh, I actually did. Did you see my Thanksgiving post? I didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay. I, go on. Well, I this was just because I was bored uh, over the holiday. But you know, I'm a presidential history buff. Oh yeah, yeah. And I thought, boy, um, I'd love to do a mixtape. Oh, of, okay. Yeah, of yeah. songs about presidents. Are how many songs are there about presidents? Um, I made a my play my original playlist probably had close to a hundred a hundred plus songs. Really. Maybe more than that. But I wanted to find one for every president. That was the trick. And so I went with the ones I knew off the top of my head, like Mr. Garfield from from Johnny Cash and um, uh, Murder So Foul from from Bob Dylan. There there are a few that kind of hung around in my mind. I thought, boy, I wonder if I can find... So because of Spotify, not only did I find a song for every president, but a lot of them were these small indie bands that I'd never heard of before, regional bands. And there's some really good music I discovered doing this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was just really happy because I have this playlist now. It's it's forty six songs, one for every president. Grover Cleveland's in there twice, and I just like it for the music. It's just a good mix of because you know I couldn't be too choosy with the musical styles, right? Because a lot of the presidents only had one song that I could find, <laughs> right? And so you have like Clutch, um, you know, very heavy band doing a song about Abraham Lincoln. Um, you have some traditional folk. You have. Um, you have James Brown doing Funky President, which is based on Gerald Ford. And I just had a real fun time putting this together. But I knew you wouldn't really dig this as a as a topic. So that's why I didn't introduce it for a possible episode. Because I would just drone on and on and on about presidential history, and you wouldn't get me to shut up. <laughs> so I just did it as a solo well, that would That would not bother me at all. God knows well, I... Well, we I, can do it if you want. God I, knows I, I drone on all the time. Now, my, <laughs> my bigger issue is that I 
don't know that I could contribute. I mean, you could give me the songs. Yeah, right. I could, that's, I could do yeah, the that's research. That's another reason why I decided yeah. just to. But I, I don't know presidential. So that that's fascinating yeah. that you found one for I, everybody. I did. I did. Um, and and I, I avoided any use of musicals, like um, the Hubert Her, uh, Hubert Herbert. I can't. Now you you've given it to me now. <laughs> Herbert Hoover song from Annie or any of the. Um, Hamilton tunes. Hamilton songs. I, I was able to avoid using any of them. Yeah. They, they were all um, rock, you know, actual rock songs or, or, or pop music songs. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I was bored too, but mine is not nearly as, um, you know, um, impressive, really. I, I was just sitting at home and I made a Thanksgiving Bay playlist. So I went ahead and threw it onto our Gen X mixtape Facebook page if anyone wanted to listen. It got two likes, so... Yeah. I'm at least two people, at least, I don't know if they listened, but they, they took a look. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's, because I was curious. We've we've talked in the past about doing a Thanksgiving Day mm-hmm. uh, mixtape, but I didn't know if you, the songs were really there. Right, right, right. They are. Oh, I, we could do I, one. Yeah, yeah. I, I made one. I, I, I don't know that it would be what I would choose if we did the real thing. Sure. But, yeah, I was bored and high on, on Percocet. So <laughs> I just sat there and, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. So, but, um, yeah, no, a presidential. Yeah. There's should, actually a song about Chester Arthur, believe it or not. I found a song me. about William Henry Harrison. I can do it. Yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. love to yeah. give it a listen. Yeah. You know, that's a, what's, so, what's so surprising is to me, it was more of just a novelty thing. Can I do it? It was a challenge. The fact that I actually listened to it because it's a great collection of music and the music's so diverse is a whole other thing I didn't expect. Huh. Yeah, especially the indie bands that I kind of discovered. And that, it kind of actually makes me a little bit depressed because it just proves, again, that there's so much good music being made out there because people now have the technology to produce studio-quality tracks on their own. And yet, without the distribution, with the fact that, you know, there's so many different types of musical genres competing for um, airplay and, and what, when it becomes truly popular, um, these bands will never be heard from other than, you know, small audiences it's a shame because there's a lot of really good music out there yeah that's very cool well that's one of the reasons I love when we do our Uncharted episodes yeah oh yeah you know um, which will be coming up here we're, we're winding down yep. now we only have a few months left in yep. season four um, but no I'd love to hear the presidential yeah I'll, I'll, playlist yeah, sure I'll share it so yeah I um, in fact we can post on the website both of our lists yeah both no. of our playlists yeah absolutely yeah. Um, very cool okay all right well, um, my next pick... No, it's my next one. Oh. You just finished talking about Snoopy. Okay. Am I right? Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, I mean, you can go ahead and <laughs> keep doing a problem. I'm okay with that. No, I... Uh, <laughs> sorry. I just... <laughs> I'm still... I was talking about presidents. And yeah, I think you thought it was I, just a pick of I, mine. So. I don't... I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of just floating. <laughs> so, I'm... I'm I'm like a red balloon in the sewer. So, <laughs> my next one is barely a song. Barely a song. Barely a song. Um, it's actually a, the artist doing a parody of their own uh, oh, song. Yeah. And that is eight six seven five three zero nine Jenny Christmas version. Yep. By Tommy Two Tone uh, from two thousand nine. Better not pound, I'm telling you why 
self-parody that I'm not sure anyone really asked for. <laughs> there are a lot of those, actually. But, but here uh, it is, and I'm including it with, as one of my picks. Um, Tommy Two-Tone takes his 1982 smash and then mashes it with Santa Claus is Coming to Town, complete with an intro, ho-ho. Um, the new lyrics fit, sort of. Um <laughs> They kind of modernized the story a little bit, too, by adding references to email and wondering if Santa is online. Right. Um, but many of the words are just awkward in their placement. Um, they didn't really sand off any of the rough edges. They kind of forced things in. Um, and so they didn't really mash the two together with, with much grace. But I love the song. <laughs> and there's a Christmas, Christmas version of it, so I had to include it. Um, there's also a little inside joke, which I thought was cool, uh, about Santa's area code. Because if you remember, when it was an original hit, mm-hmm. um, area codes were not part of the normal calling procedure. Correct. You just would dial the seven digits, and if you were within a, an area code, then you were uh, connected to that person. Um, however, we began to run out of phone numbers, and so they started requiring the area code, and then that way, things like what I'm going to talk to talk about here wouldn't happen. Yeah. And that is, when that song became popular, everyone dialed 867-5309. And since most area codes had this phone number, people all across the country were receiving all sorts of crank calls. Um, in fact, there were some businesses that had to change their phone numbers, and they tried to counter sue, and it was this big thing. So I appreciate that little joke about Santa's uh, area code in this version. But despite these shortcomings, um, the guitar riffs are so damn infectious, they make the song listenable and a fun addition to any holiday playlist. Yeah. Now, I... Um I, I I came across this a few years ago, and and I like you. I listened to it and I I enjoyed it. I'm mostly for nostalgic reasons, but it, it is. It's very rough, you know. It it it's Santa not, Claus has come to town. I mean, that's it's yeah. Not, yeah it's, when did Santa? I got your number. <laughs> but, but what I always found really interesting is that he never gives the number in this particular. No version of the song because I I was always waiting for it. I mean, it's Tommy Two Tone. He replaces that with with, Santa Claus is coming to town. Yeah, exactly. Which I thought, what's the harm in actually giving? Nobody has that number anymore. (laughs) You know, settled all those lawsuits. Exactly. Yeah. No. Very true. But I um, there are I've I've actually run into a few of those like uh, Earth Wind and Fire. I don't know if you know this. They have a song called December. Oh well, that makes sense. Which is literally word for word. September, except for except for the twenty fifth night of December replaces <laughs> the twenty first night yeah. of September. I mean, literally, it's the same song. Um, Pilot, uh, magic. It could be magic. Which they're doing now for a commercial, right? Uh, they have a version called Christmas, hmm. where it's just it's Christmas, and it's the exact same. Well, I shouldn't say it's the same song, but I, I've come into a whole list of these, and it's just, I, I it'd be we're talking about independent projects. It'd be really interesting to see how many artists have done this. But, yeah. Um, but I have, I found quite a few of them now. It's, it's kind of, none of them are good songs necessarily, but it, it's fascinating to me that people are making a quick buck off yeah, of, yeah, yeah. which is all it is. It's a money grab. Um, or it's just, you know, they a lot of these bands were one hit wonders and this is their, you know, shot to come back, you know, for, yeah, for nostalgia. Kids need braces. I get it. I, no, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's pretty pretty fascinating. But yeah, I found this one a while a while back. I would not have even thought of including it, but I was. It made me chuckle that you did. 
I needed some lighter stuff. I had a oh, lot yeah, of dark yeah. stuff. <laughs> no, agreed. Yeah. Um, which is why my side B is not nearly as, uh, poof. in fact, my next one, it doesn't get more kid friendly. I don't think, um, I give you here, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, by Thurl Ravenscroft. I thought you were replacing this with the purple people eater meets Santa. No, I swapped it. The other direction. Swapped it, other direction. Yeah. That's not how it sounded in the text. Oh, sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can go back to the purple people interview if you like. No, it's good. I'm um, familiar with, with both okay. of them, so we're yeah, good. Yeah, because I was going to do uh, what Dave's referencing. I, I was originally, I, I had uh, Santa Claus meets the purple people eater on my list. Which I love, and I'm guessing that other than Dave and I, nobody out there in our podcast podcast uh, community has ever heard the song. Right. So I was going to include it, and uh, but then I thought we've never included the Grinch. That's true. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a he. You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster, Mr. Grinch. Your heart's an empty hole Your brain is full of spiders You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole The Grinch remains my favorite of all of the holiday animated uh, specials. I, I've always loved The Grinch. Um, it, it came out in 1966, and the soundtrack uh, to the to the show was released at that time. Um, here's the thing: Christmas music, and I, this speaks to why we're doing our theme entirely. Christmas music sometimes takes itself very, very seriously, you know, which is why the subgenre of novelty holiday songs is so refreshing and so delightful. It really is. Uh, they're weird, sometimes inscrutable often irreverent and sometimes just questionable as uh, some of our choices may have been on side A um, but they bring a dose of levity to the holiday songbook and ironically the lightest of them all I think is the most refreshing and definitely the most delightful is a song about a, 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 a curmudgeon who spirals in his curmudgeonliness into criminality you're a mean one Mr. Grinch was created for the 66 cartoon version of Dr. Seuss's book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And the lyrics are indeed written by Theodore Dr. Seuss Geisel. And the song is essentially insult comedy that rhymes, and each joke, each burn is just glorious. Um, the song escalates, taking the Grinch from a heel to a monster. And it builds until its narrator is finally, tellingly, unable to contain himself. You're a three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. Again, that's... So Dr. Seuss wrote the lyrics? Yeah, yeah. For wrote it? the yeah. lyrics, okay. yeah. And again, it's just glorious. I, I, I love it. Another great making element of You're a Mean One is the iconic version, the one released with the cartoon in 66, because there have been a whole lot of covers of this song. The original was, in fact, sung by Thurl Ravenscroft, um, who performed it with a vague and vaguely menacing growl. But 
Because Ravenscroft was not credited in the animated uh, special, many mistakenly attributed the vocals to Boris Karloff. I did as a kid. Yeah, because Karloff was the narrator and voice of the Grinch. Um, he, he was the one credited with telling the story of the, of but the, I guess it, if, if, yeah, the special. Yeah. It would make sense. He wasn't singing about himself. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Raven's, but he also is narration. Anyway, exactly. Yeah, but I I thought the same thing as a kid. I thought it was Karloff who right. was singing the song, but in fact, it's it's actually through Raven's, Raven's Crowd. He was just not credited. Um, and of course, Karloff I probably doesn't need any introduction. He was best known for his portrayal as Frankenstein in Universal's Golden Among Era. Many other monsters over yeah, the years. Exactly. Um, but Ravenscroft, by contrast, is most famous. Uh, for his booming signature bass voice, which he employed to growl their great in his five-decade stint as Tony the Tiger. That is Thoreau Ravenscroft's claim to fame. He was Tony the Tiger. Um, And You're a Mean One is indeed one of the most comfortable Christmas songs for singers with low bass ranges. So, um, yeah, no, I'm sorry if if it confused you. No, it's fine. I I was prepared for both. Um, But I, I just really... I don't know. I purple people eater. If if we do another novelty holiday episode sometime, then absolutely. I'll well, we mentioned it. it. We'll go yeah. and mention songs. But um, yeah, I just I don't know. I, I gave it some thought, and I thought you know of all because we we've done the Peanuts animated special, and we've done you know we've we talked Rudolph, and we've talked Frosty, and we've talked all these animated specials over the years, but we've never never brought in sure. the Grinch. So I was like, I'm gonna do it. Your text could be read both ways. Here's the actual text of your text. <laughs> okay. I'm swapping You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, for Santa Claus Meets the Purple People Eater. Oh, yeah, I can see you how can you... read it both ways. Yeah, I can see how you flipped it, yeah. Or that was just poor wording on my part. It's all good. Yeah. Nope, nope, sorry. But, uh, yeah, it's on the mention list. I I will say that Santa Claus Meets the Purple People Eater is a fun song. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and the, the Purple People Eater... Um, there were a lot of sequels, like Snoopy's. Well, like know, any sequel, verse, you're smoking oh, yeah. every set. Right? Well, in the 50s, in the 60s, it was just commonplace. In fact, there's even, which I, I've never heard, I need to find this, probably find it on YouTube, but there's even a, a version, uh, There, there's a song t- that is titled um, The Purple People Eater Meets the Witch Doctor, uh-huh. which I would love to hear because I'm thinking that the entire song has to be just a sped up vocal. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because... The Purple People Eater and, and The Witch Doctor is the same. I mean, you know, David, yeah. David Seville and Sheb Woolley did the exact same thing with right. their characters. Right. So I'm, how annoying would that be? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Sounds like but, it. But uh, anyway, there we go. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. So. All right. Next one's a, a little gem. Uh, I think you said that you enjoyed this one. Um, because we already used Spinal Taps, Christmas with the Devil, yeah. uh, in a previous episode, I wanted to kind of um, have that type of, of, of a tune here. And so um, I decided to go with Tenacious D playing with some 41 uh, on a song called Things I Want from 2003, a compilation album um, called Christmas Calling. Ho, ho, ho. So many Christmas letters. So many wishes. Lucy wants a squeezy doll. Jimmy wants a moon rocket. Oh, this list's rather long.
For those of you who are not familiar with Tenacious D, they are the comedy duo of Jack Black and Kyle Gass that formed in 1994 when the two performed in the same acting company together. Um, this was actually kind of formed before either of them were stars, before you know Jack Black was hurled into superstardom. What hurled him into superstardom? Was it was High it Fidelity? Fidelity? Yeah, yeah, I think it High was. Fidelity. That was his first big movie role. Yeah. Even though I think he was in the Never Ending Story four or something like that before then. Three. There, there have been two. four. I don't know. Never Ending Story. I thought he was in one of them for some reason. I don't wow. know. Okay. I could could be off on that. Um, the fact that they can actually write interesting songs and are both accomplished musicians, very similar to Spinal Tap, uh, it led to them opening for bands like Weezer, Pearl Jam, and Beck in the nineties. So you think about it. You're having a, you come up with this little funny thing in their basement, probably, where they form this band, like a Spinal Tap type thing, but they end up being good enough to tour, much like Spinal Tap. Um, this holiday offering duo, um, from the duo is a true gem. Jack Black is hilarious, as always. Um, he's hilarious as Santa in the opening monologue. Um, he kind of goes through all the things... Um, that everybody wants for Christmas. And then he says, boy, this is a rather long list. <laughs> Before launching into um, these Iron Maiden-style guitars and a perfect metal scream. Jack Black is so good at this. And the lyrics, they simply just mention a list of strange gifts they want for Christmas. Yeah. Um, like a Motley Crue lunchbox filled with sticky buns and a statue of Moby on the surface of the sun <laughs> and, uh, and on and on. Um, and then, of course, um, some 41 serves as the backing band. So the whole thing is just is just perfect. Um, it's just really, really random. But the fact that they perform it, again, like Spinal Tap, um, very seriously. Um, obviously, the comedies and the fact that it appears that they, they're not in on the joke, um, which, of course, they are. And um, Jack Black is just always entertaining to me. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, this was the other. I said there were two two of your songs that I had not heard. This was the other one. Um and I loved it. I, I I just thought it was hilarious. I, I I played it a few times, like on repeat, because it just I felt like I I was laughing at each line, so I would miss <laughs> I would miss the next line, you know. So I had to go back and keep playing it until I had heard all the lyrics to it, and then I texted you right away. I was like, you know, this is just great. Um, yeah, I didn't know the Tenacious D predated Jack Black's. Well, 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 what year I, was High Fidelity? Oh boy! Um, I mean, it was around the same time, so I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I know that it wasn't like he was super famous, Jack Black, and then decided to uh, to team up with Kyle and started. Um, they had started it when they were in, in acting school. Um, yeah, let's see, High Fidelity. I'm going to say. Has to be oh, it's 2000. So. Oh, was it 2000? Yeah, it's 2000. I would have thought it was late 90s, but. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because well, the, I can't say for sure that that was his breakthrough role it's just the first time I remember seeing Jack Black yeah so if he if he did in fact have a film come out prior that you know garnered some attention I don't I don't remember what it would be um, but I loved High Fidelity it's, uh, that one is, well let's see what the internet has to say about that so yeah. um, let's go to the beginning of his discography he was in Bob Roberts I didn't know that uh, Demolition Man he's in some very small roles the Neverending Story three, <laughs> I was right about that. Uh, then he appeared in Waterworld and Dead Man Walking, Biodome, Cable Guy. He was in Dead Man Walking. Yeah, Mars Attacks. Um, a movie called Bong Water. <laughs> um, Enemy of the State. High Fidelity is his first really big breakout yeah, okay. role. Okay, I thought I thought it was. Yeah, and then Shallow Howl, of course. Oh yeah, yeah. And then he, School of Rock, which really 
launched into superstar to Macho Libre. Uh, had a small part in Anchorman. King Kong, he was great in King Kong. Right. Then Tenacious D had their own movie. Um, then Kung Fu Panda. And then you get into the Jumanji films. So yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I um, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, I had no idea Tenacious D had been around. He's also a big uh, Red Dead uh, Redemption Two online player, which is my favorite video game. Oh. And uh, he makes funny videos about that. And uh, one of these days, I hope to come across him online. It would be kind of cool to ride into the sunset with Jack Black. That would be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I love Jack Black. He's I, he is. In fact, your your words to me in text were he's a national treasure. He is a national treasure. <laughs> so, he's total, uh, totally yeah, a national no, treasure. I, I I love him. All right. Well, this next song, I was so happy when I discovered this next song. Not only because I found it hilarious, but because I thought that you would be grateful that I found this song. This is the one that you texted me. I, this is the one that I texted I was out you. on one of my walks when you texted, so I was able to listen to it right away. Yeah. And let's just say really quickly, that cured me. <laughs> I'm, I'm, it cured me. I'm glad. Thank you. <laughs> Continue. Glad. Um, all right. So for those that don't, uh, well, I, I suppose there are some out there that have not heard uh, the original. Uh, new song has a a Christmas tune. Uh, New Song is a Christian uh, band. They they have a Christmas tune called The Christmas Shoes, where the singer finds himself in a checkout line behind a scruffy tyke who can't find enough pennies to make his purchase. This is almost up there with Proud to be an American for me. Uh, yeah, I know. Although I, this one actually did tug on my heartstrings. Continue. Yeah. Um, so what what is this, this uh, scruffy little kid's purchase uh, request? He wants to buy a pair of shoes, right? For his mommy, who is dying on Christmas Eve because he wants her to look beautiful. <laughs> if, if mommy meets Jesus tonight. <laughs> Do you know there's, a, there's, a t- there's an adaptation, um, a movie starring Rob Lowe? Are you serious? I think it was before he gained his popularity oh. again as resurgence from Parks and Rec. Oh. He, yeah, anyway, go ahead. How low he must have <laughs> fallen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the original, The Christmas Shoes, I mean, it's guaranteed to bring a tear to your eye, no doubt caused by the sting of stomach acid in your throat. Yes, so, yes. Uh, <laughs> it makes you hope that the store at least has a flexible return policy. Okay? <laughs> well, ouch. Let's hope the shoes can Ooh, be returned. Oh, dark. Yeah. Do we open up her gifts or send them back? Um, send them back. So now Dave in previous uh, podcast episodes has made it very clear that this was a song that was kind of off limits for our holiday episodes because he used to. Well, he used to. When I heard the song, I had very, very, very young kids. Okay. Okay. So when you have young kids and then it's around Christmas time where you have your own nostalgia, right? Your own baggage, emotional baggage. I don't mean that in a bad way. Just meaning it carries a lot of. Wait, right? Comedies right. do for most oh, yeah. And so, so you're already emotional, um, and you have these kids, and then you hear a song about a little kid, you know, just trying to honor his mother with it's just, and she's got cancer, and cancer in Christmas, and bleh. yes, for a long time, um, it was a, it was a joke in my family because um, they would trap me in a car somewhere, and then they would play this song, and then just watch me get emotional. <laughs> oh, I love it. So, well, anyway, I. I was just playing through Spotify, and uh, this was actually, it was last Christmas time. It was right after we had recorded our our previous holiday specials, so I couldn't use it because we'd already finished. Uh, 
But I, I was just playing on Spotify and I was looking up Christmas tunes that I did not. I, I do that. I get on Spotify and I just look up new music. Um, a lot of times I let the algorithm dictate what new music I find, you know, which Spotify's algorithm is incredible, quite frankly. We've talked about that mm-hmm. in the past as well. But I, I came across this and I've been waiting. I was, I've been holding on to this until our next holiday episode. But novelty or not, it wouldn't have mattered. I was going to use this for you. And so when we went novelty, I'm like, yes, it's even better. And I just thought, it's time. The name of the song, which I've not given you yet, again, is The Christmas Thong. It's <laughs> You've by, broken the spell. Yes, The Christmas Thong. It is by Robert Lund. Christmas Eve at half past six Stuck in line at Frederick's Trying to get me an interview For a job to guard the fitting room Standing right in front of me Was a little boy on a shopping spree Holding boots from the leather display And body oils and best Some lingerie When he pulled his wallet out A picture fell to the ground The hottest babe I'd ever seen And what the boy said was a yuletide dream Sir, I wanna buy this thong For my mama, please It's Christmas Eve and I'll bet it fits just right Could you hurry, sir? Santa said he's stopping by See, Mama's been single way too long So I know she needs this Christmas thong Cause I want it to be memorable If Mama meets Santa tonight Here's the thing. If ever a song deserved or begged to be parodied, it is the Christmas shoes. Yes. Okay. So here you go. The Christmas Thong by novelty guru Robert Lund with guest vocals by his daughter Macy. Okay. Um, Lund has admitted (laughs) that uh, he and those involved with recording this parody are likely all going to hell. Uh, Where he says the PA system will play the Christmas shoes 24-7. Amen. Yeah. But uh, nonetheless, here we have another young child in line trying to buy a gift for his mother on Christmas Eve. At Victoria's Secret. <laughs> Fre- actually, it's Frederick's. Was but it Frederick's? Yeah, it's okay, Frederick's, Frederick's, but same thing. <laughs> yes, he's at Frederick's of Hollywood. The person behind him in line has just applied for a a uh, job at Frederick's where he wants to be the guard of the, uh, you know, the uh, changing all? rooms. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and the kid... This time, mom is not dying. Mom is actually a supermodel. (laughs) And her picture slips out from his wallet, the little boy's wallet, and he tells the man behind him that he really needs to buy this thong because his mom basically has been very lonely and very horny for a long time. And she is now at home in her bubble bath, and he's hoping that Santa will make a visit tonight and that his mom will finally be able to 
<laughs> Meet Santa. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Krampus and, style. Yes, Krampus style. Um, so basically, he gets the, the man behind him all worked up, and he is more than willing to lay down his card and to pay for this young boy's thong. He, the boy buys other things, by the way, at Frederick's for, yes, for his mom. It's not just a thong. Um and then, of course, you have the great twist. It's a twist, very similar end. to the "Not yeah, for Christmas" twist. Exactly. So uh, it's just it's it's just a perfect, perfect. This is what a parody should be. Yeah, from start to finish, yes. it's just perfect. I want them to write one now for "Proud to Be an American." That I don't think anyone's going to do. <laughs> I, I I could be wrong, but I don't see anyone doing that. Um, I would love it if they did. <laughs> oh, that'd be fantastic. Now, now, incidentally, Robert Lund. Uh, it's a name that our, our listeners may not know. He's recorded numerous Christmas songs over the years. Uh, many of the best are collected on a CD titled Elves Gone Wild. Um, this does not come from that from that album. But if you're a fan, or if you were a fan of Dr. Demento, Robert Lund is a very familiar name to you. But if you are not one who obsesses over novelty music, uh, I'll let Robert Lund introduce himself. Uh, his bio from his website reads, quote, uh, what started out as a hobby quickly turned into a full-time job in writing, producing, and recording commercials for advertisers, miscellaneous clients, and radio stations. I am currently employed by Simmons Media, writing parody songs and jingles for many of their stations throughout the United States. The stations are in a variety of formats from oldies to hip-hop and country to rock and roll. So if you've ever wondered who writes those jingles, those parody jingles on radio stations... Here this is. is your guy. It's Robert Lund. And being able to, you know, weave in and out of the various genres with parodies, you know, this is this is his bread and butter. Um, now, the song can only be found on The Fump, Volume 12. Okay, that's the name of the album, The Fump, F-U-M-P, Volume 12. So what is The Fump? I'm going to do you a favor here. We're, right. we're doing a novelty episode. I'm going to do you a favor. Fump is the name, okay, it's short for the Funny Music Project, which is a collaborative effort made up of a team of talented comedy musicians that are dedicated to giving uh, listeners the best new comedy music recorded each week. So every Tuesday and Friday, and on the occasional Sunday, they post a new novelty song to the thefump.com. And these songs are available as free downloads hmm. for a limited time, or as a highly... Uh, or as a high quality, I should say, download uh, for 99 cents each. And like Lund, all the artists featured on this website are well known on the Dr. Demento show. Um, every two months, the FUMP, and by the way, if you do look this up, FUMP is spelled capital F, lowercase u, uppercase M-P. Um, it also produces a new compilation album of all the songs that they post every two months. And whenever possible, they also include a bonus video on the album of a live performance, behind-the-scenes footage, or an interview with the artist. Since its inception, The Fump has released over 1,700 novelty songs. Wow. And produced over 100 compilation albums. Wow. And these albums and other merchandise are available for purchase on their online store. Now, I'm not going to endorse them per se, but I will say that TheFump.com they, they offer subscriptions. Um, so if you really are a fan of novelty music, you can subscribe to The Fump, and it's not an expensive uh, subscription cost at all. And it gives you all kinds of 
perks, including access to their entire digital library. You can get every album um, that they've released. Do we get a free subscription because we plug them now? I don't know. Okay. I, I could write them and you know <laughs> ask. I it wouldn't hurt. But I am um, yeah because I right after I found this last year, I then went to the album, which was the Fump Volume Twelve, and I'm like, what the hell is that? So then I I looked it up and I went to the Fump and I've, I've you know, here and there, I've, I've returned to the Fump website, and there is a lot of very funny stuff, hmm. a lot of very good out. parodies that that keep uh, getting released. So I haven't subscribed, but I've, I, I, every time that I do visit the website, I think long and hard about subscribing, and then I just put it off for another. Is there time. stuff on Spotify as well? Um, well, yeah. Well, yeah, they're clearly yeah. because we've yeah. chosen it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, I, I've been waiting to share this with you. I I didn't know that it would cure you. I'm glad it, it cured, cured you, but I, I was... I guarantee you, if that song comes on the radio or on the air, you know, in the mall or whatever, I don't know why I don't go to the mall, but if, yeah. that, if I happen to hear that somewhere over the Christmas, I think I'll be able to listen to it now. And instead of getting involved in the emotions, I will laugh because I will think of... Yep. The alternative. Just, just think of a young so thank boy. Thank you. Yes. Set me yeah. free. <laughs> think of a young boy at Fredericks. Yes. So, <laughs> very good. Very good. Your turn. Classic. Very funny. I remember. Yeah, I, I listened to it several times on my walk and um, laughed out loud. People probably thought I was crazy walking through the neighborhood, <laughs> just laughing at myself. All right, my next one. Going back to the classics. Um, this one's from 1947. I think I've introduced more music before the 1950s in the show than I ever have before. Yeah. Uh, but then again, it's Christmas time, so jazz and spiritual music and old music is also um, found readily on the airwaves. Um, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. I went with Spike Jones and his City Slickers from 1947. In fact, this may be the oldest track I've ever picked for an episode. The song was written in 1944 by a public school teacher who noticed that most of his elementary age students were missing teeth. Then, when he asked them what they wanted for the holidays, they all answered with a lisp. He wrote the song about a half an hour later and was surprised when it took off all across the country. Enter Spike Jones and his City Slickers, who recorded the song in 1948 by RCA Victor, or for uh, RCA Victor. 
This version was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2007. The song opens with a monologue recited by what kind of sounds a lot like South Park's Mr. Hanky, The Christmas Boo. It really does, yes. <laughs> really, really does. I'm like, wait a minute. Uh, did, did, uh, is that what the creators of South Park, did they, did they channel this when they created <laughs> Mr. Hanky? I don't know. Um, then the song is, is sung by this childlike voice with plenty of uh, words that cause the high-pitched whistle sound um, that might make your dog go nuts. Uh, the song's been covered many times, including um, Nat King Cole. I love his version. The Chipmunks <clears throat> and RuPaul. Uh, and it continues to be featured on holiday airwaves um, every every year. Yeah. I did not know RuPaul covered it. Yeah. Um, RuPaul's covered a lot of songs. It's actually kind of surprising when you see If I remember list. correctly, it might be a parody cover of okay. it as well, which would not surprise me. No, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, of all the songs you chose, yeah. this is the one... I would not include. And why is that? This this is it just you nuts. <laughs> it, it does. Yeah. There's just this song, and I appreciate the humor. I get it. It's a classic. It should be on our list. I'm not. I'm not it was either this or the barking dog singing, uh, barking to Jingle Bell. I almost went with the barking dogs. <laughs> I love dogs. I was down. I, to, I was down to these. I two. almost went with the barking dogs. I did. They were on my list for a long time. <laughs> but no, th- this one. Just that high pitched with. Oh. I know. It's, it's, By the end of the song, I'm ready to just like, <laughs> just destroy my stereo. It's it's like I, I, it, I almost picked the Chipmunks version because that's the one I grew up with was the Chipmunks. Oh, version. Oh really? But I wanted to pick something from 1940. Yeah. No. 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 Seven, seven. I like I said. I no. I got, I've got no beef with the being on the playlist. It's a classic. It's considered one of the great novelty tunes of all time. But it's just, and I I I, I like Spike Jones. I mean, a lot of his early novelty. You know, it, he created, you know, or I should say he influenced a number sure. of comedic uh, musicians, you know, for generations since. But yeah, this one, it's, oh man. Because like Nat King Cole, I can listen to Nat King Cole. I mean, it's just, you know, it, yeah, yeah. it doesn't, but it, it loses a lot of the comedic effect. You need the version you've chosen to get the true to effect. To get the true effect. Yes. But the but at the same time, that high pitched whistle—it's like it's just a song I can do without. It's so, it's so. Th- this is the reason the dogs are barking. There we go at, at, on Jingle Bells Play right here, back yes. to back. It's it's a sound only they can hear. I wish that were true, <laughs> because I'm hearing it. But um, yeah, no, it's it is. It's a classic. But I, oh, you talk about earworms. This one, that one is just. Uh, so. <laughs> But next one, okay. Um, let me just preface. If you are listening and there are young children in the room, cover their ears or send them away because I'm not going to censor myself here. Um, and, and, and this isn't, that sounds really bad. Let's not remove I'm, our family-friendly yes, gonna. I'm not going to start dropping, label. yeah, I'm not going to start dropping F-bombs. Right, so, right. <laughs> but, but I am going to give you the word dick in a box. Hey, girl. I got something real important to give you. So just sit down and listen. Girl, you know we've been together such a long, long time. Such a long time. And now I'm ready to lay it on the line. Wow, you know it's Christmas and my heart is open wide. Gonna give you something so you know what's on my mind. What's on my mind. A gift real special. So take off the top. Take a look inside. It's my dick in a box. 
It's in a box. Not gonna get you a diamond ring. That sort of gift don't mean anything. Not gonna get you a fancy car. Girl, you gotta know you're my shining star. Not gonna get you a house in the hills. A girl like you needs something real. Wanna get you something from the heart. Something special, girl. It's my dick in a box. This was a sketch first on December 16th, 2006. Saturday Night Live aired a digital short titled Dick in a Box during their annual holiday episode. And it has since become one of the show's most classic pre-taped sketches. And it earned the sketch's stars and co-writers, Andy Samberg and Justin Timberlake, an Emmy for Outstanding Original Music and Lyrics the following year. And by the way, I remember distinctly seeing this the first time. We, came, we were watching it live, my wife and I. But they they dropped out the dick part. Oh, yeah. And so we thought it was, excuse the language, cock in a box because oh. it rhymes. And so we called it cock in the box until finally someone referred to it as dick in the box and we realized we we're wrong. Oh, well, yeah, you went even worse. Cock in the box rhymes. Why wouldn't you go? Anyway. No, it, it, no, it makes sense, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you go plural, you know, have several glory, okay, okay, you know, okay. several holes in the box. Uh, so, all right, so, wow. Okay, um, yeah, Dick in a Box was written by Lonely Island, which is the comedy trio of Andy Samberg, Akiva Goldsman, and Jorma Taconi. I think I'm pronouncing uh that name correctly. I'm not really sure how to pronounce Jordan's last name. All three were hired as writers by SNL in 2005, and Sandberg, of course, also joined as a featured player. Uh, Sandberg told Howard Stern in 2016 that the trio of Lonely Island immediately bonded over a mutual love of early 90s R&B music, and they knew that they found their genre, and that was what they wanted to really use here when Timberlake was going to host. Um, the three were concerned, however, that the concept might not work when they pitched it to the sexy back singer. Uh, but their worries were unfounded because as Timberlake heard their their pitch, he got very enthusiastically on board, telling them that's going to be a hit. Now, as Timberlake remembered it uh, in Live from New York, which was a book detailing Saturday Night Live's history from interviews with cast and crew. I've read that. Have you? Yep. Very good. Um, the, his, his particular um, interview, uh, this particular part of it, it was excerpted in Billboard. And he said the original concept was about two men who were stuck in that era of smooth music and its accompanying aesthetic. Okay. And so that's the idea that they started off on. And then it was kind of like, how do you get away with them being idiots? Okay. <laughs> and the best way, according to Timberlake, was for them to be as genuine as possible about yes. the gift they were giving, but not totally being at your full wit. Uh, Taconi finally cemented the conceit uh, when he referenced the prank involving a popcorn box with a cutout bottom. While super creepy, he explained, the idea of the gift was totally appropriate for these two guys because they are completely misled about what is appropriate. <laughs> and after they filmed the sketch, okay, um, at 3 a.m. in the morning uh, on the day of the show, the FCC informed them that they could not say the D word on the air. Maybe that's why they, they thought they'd have a better chance with the D word. 
yeah. getting through the sensors. That, that's, that was my guess. But the FCC told them absolutely not. So the show agreed to bleep it out, as you said. And the title word in question was ultimately bleeped 16 times when it aired, which arguably made it even funnier yeah, on no, first did, watch. Yeah. <laughs> so buoyed by the, the viral success of Dick in a Box, Lonely Island and Timberlake created two follow-up musical sketches. Mother Lover. Yep, Mother and Lover. The, and the threesome one with Lady Gaga. You got it, yeah. Yeah, Mother Lover, uh, it aired during a Mother's Susan Day Susan Sarandon special. was in that yeah. one, yeah. It was a Mother's Day special in 2009. Samberg and Timberlake's characters freshly released from jail. <laughs> Boxes in tow. Right. Um, they hatch a deeply weird plan to pair up with each other's moms. Yeah. <laughs> and the, for adults-only sketch, as you said, Susan Sarandon, also Patricia Clarkson. Yes, um, yes. They, they were the titular mothers. And then uh, Timberlake returned to host a fourth time in 2011, when he and Sandberg, yeah, they recruited musical guest Lady Gaga for their third and final video. So, yeah, I this one was it. It was a certainty. I like like the one before. I like the Christmas song. I knew digging about, and to me, the two of them kind of went together. So it you know thematically anyway. So sure. I um yeah, digging a box was going to make it on my list, no matter if we went novelty or not this year. So. There you go. Awesome. SNL, you know, they're always hit and miss. They've always been hit or miss. But when they hit, they knock it out of the park. Oh, they do. Yeah. And um, there are a couple of really good holiday sketches over the last 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanksgiving ones, a few of them really good ones. Absolutely. All right. Mm, last time I had the oldest song I've ever introduced. This is by far the shortest song I've ever chosen. Um, I think it's a whopping 34 seconds. It's about right. I. Yeah. I I usually play a minute sample of the song, so in this case, you're going to get the full song. Um, but regardless, I had to introduce this one. I've always thought this was really, really clever um, since the very beginning. So taken from perhaps my favorite, I shouldn't say perhaps, it is my favorite holiday record of all time, and that's the Bare Naked Ladies, Bare Naked for the Holidays. Um, it is just top to bottom, variety, um, actual reverent songs, a lot of irreverent songs, um, guest stars, including Sarah McLaughlin and, and Michael, Michael Buble, traditional stuff. There are even some songs, like I think Grandma Got Run Over by the Reindeer is performed on one of those household organs people used to have in their houses. You know, And again, that, that nostalgic, because I remember my grandmother would play the organ at Christmas time, and so it really yeah. took me back. So this record, in my mind, is, is the pinnacle of holiday records to begin with. And so this one is just a simple... Um, simple idea, but it works. It's a one-trick pony, but I think it's funny uh, and clever. It is Deck the Halls, the song, but instead of singing the lyrics to Deck the Halls, they simply say Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. 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 Crosby, Stills, Nash, and young Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. 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 Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young Crosby. It's brilliant in its strangeness and its brevity. Um, now, they also have another good one, uh, the Jingle Bells, I think. This is what's so great about the album. They, they include Jingle Bells, but they include the Batman verse yeah. that we sang as kids, right? It's little... Moments like this that make this holiday record so good. Uh, there's another song called Green Christmas, which was later featured in Ron Howard's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which I'm not a big fan of. 
Um, but I'm that's a whole thing. Elf's Lament, which I'm sure we featured on the first you, holiday yeah, special. Yeah, you, you included it. Because that's one of my favorites of all time. A masterpiece about how the um, elves decide to unionize uh, <laughs> yeah. and fight for their rights. Uh, and several Hanukkah songs yep. as well. That's why I bought... And when when this was released, I, I read... Uh, actually, before it was released, I, I had read uh, about upcoming releases and Bare Naked Ladies. For whatever reason in my mind as I was reading it, the, the excerpt, they mentioned that there were Hanukkah songs. Yeah, so yeah. I, I I mistakenly thought it was a Hanukkah CD. Mm. Um, so, which I was a little disappointed when I found that it wasn't, but I was not disappointed by the album because the album is perfect, as you said. Um, but yeah, I, I, I rushed to buy it on, on its release because of, you know, there's so few good yeah, well, Hanukkah well, tunes. The, the Dreidel song, you know, that's right. fun. But they, had, they do have one, I forget, the Hanukkah... Blessings, maybe? No. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, they do. Which is a really, really good song. Yeah. I believe it's an original, isn't it? Yeah. It sounded like an original. Maybe it's a cover, but I hadn't heard it from anyone else before. So they even have a cover of um, McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time uh, in a very campy, campy way. So, which the song was already campy to begin with. But um, it's just, it's just a lot of fun from top to bottom. There's something for everybody that sounds like cliche, but I honestly mean it in this case. Um, There's something for everyone on this record, uh, regardless of how you feel about Bare Naked Ladies. So. Yeah, no, I can't. I can't disagree. Um, it uh, it's deck the stills. I don't know if I said the name or not. <laughs> deck the stills. Yep. Um, no, it is a great album. That's your favorite, though, huh? Of all the Christmas albums, it's got to be. I, um, I'm trying to think. It's weird to say um, Mariah Carey's Christmas record. Um, you know, even though that song has been way overplayed, yeah. it's such a solid record. I'm not a Mariah Carey fan. I don't hate her, but I'm not a Mariah Carey fan. Uh, but just the way she lends her vocals to that original, um, I forget what year came out, late late 90s, I think, to me is a classic. Um, Harry Connick's first Christmas album is a classic. Yeah, those are, would be probably my top 10, top five. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for me, hands down, the, the greatest greatest holiday album, I think, of all time is still Phil Spector's. Oh, that, yeah, I put that yeah. in my top as well. That, that's number one for yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... I don't know. They're, they're, Very special Christmas. Yeah. One and two would be up there. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. At least one and two. I don't know that I would. I, I, don't, I like three a lot, but. I I, I stopped. I purchased one and two, and then I, I never went on to purchase, you know, yeah. as, as they I got the first newer. three, and then I think the fourth one was live. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, no, there are a lot of very good, excellent holiday albums out there. So it's, be curious to, to see what our listeners consider yeah. to be the great. Yeah you know, holiday albums. Um, okay, well, my next one. I actually texted you and said, hey, I need you to to familiarize yourself with this guy. Oh, yeah, I um, did. Because my next artist, um, his name is Dan Byrne. Um, he often goes by the name Bernstein. Um, he is... He, he is actually widely known. He's won several several awards. He does hell of a Dylan impersonation. Yes, he does. And it, for my money, he does a pretty decent Springsteen. It wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Dan Byrne, uh, he's, he is a fantastic, to me, he's one of the greats. He's one of the great singer-songwriters. He's very much in the folk tradition, but he but is... he's got a little bit of novelty in him. Yeah. A little is, Wally Pleasant. Yeah, he's funny as hell. Um, the song that I've chosen is titled Waffle House Christmas, or not Christmas, where am I going with that? Uh, Waffle House Hanukkah uh, by Dan Byrne. 
I'm a long haul trucker, traveling across the south, spending my Hanukkah at the Waffle House. Each night after sundown, I find myself stopping, and each night on my hash browns, I get one more topping. The shamus is my scattered, the first night they get smothered, the second night they're covered, the third night they get chunked. The fourth night they get diced, the fifth night they get peppered, sixth night cap, seventh top, eighth night they get country. It comes from the 2013 album, Hanukkah Songs. Now, before I get into the song, though, well, I'll just start by this. What'd you think of him? Good, yeah, yeah. no, I enjoyed Did it. you like him? I, I wasn't sure at first because he's he's very um, talented. I mean, he's playing acoustic guitar in most of the songs, but it's a very full sound. Yeah. Um, he knows what he's doing, and he does play with a very Dylan-esque style um, and harmonica playing, like, very, very solid. You know, a lot of, a lot of artists pick up harmonica, and they do okay. Um, or they play acoustic guitar and it's fine, but yeah. it was a very full sound. And then I wasn't sure um, how much was novelty and how much was straightforward. I think there were four you suggested. I listened to all four. Yeah. And so they were all funny but and, and charming in their own way, but but the music was good too. Yeah. Yeah, the four I gave you, I, to me, they're the best four to really introduce him to, to a, a, a new listener. Um, Jerusalem, where he claims to be the Messiah, Messiah. <laughs> and his, you know, in therapy, his therapist said it, that it's time that he tells everybody, you know, <laughs> right. Um, Maryland. I, I love Maryland. Maryland was good. The, I, you know, I wasn't expecting oh, it. So that one, more than any song he's ever recorded, got me because when he starts talking about this idea about Mary Henry Miller, Mary Henry, Arthur Miller. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and then I just, <laughs> uh, just the very idea of that is just hilarious to me in itself. Um, and then Tiger Woods, of course, yep. the big, the Madonna balls. part, which was and, a- <laughs> yeah, but but the best though, the one that I was really the one that I said you have to listen to is talking Woody Bob Bruce and Dan blues because that one is just because they're and that to me is a parody of a, of a Dylan song. Oh, it is the way yeah. that some of the earlier Dylan tunes were titled and the way that they were performed. Yeah. And it, you know, it steals from Atlantic City right there in the middle of yep, it. But yep. yeah, no, I, I just wanted you to be familiar with them before I. You know, yeah, I'm glad you did. Gave a little bit of background here. Um, all right, so I'm going to take kind of a wild turn here. I'm going to. This one is not me rambling. I do have a purpose, but it's it's going to not going to begin the way that I think a lot of listeners expect. Because I'm going to talk about Gene Simmons first and his new autobiography. It's not well. It's not new so much anymore. It's like ten years old now. But um, his autobiography the last one that he wrote because he's written a few. Yeah, I've written, I've read a couple of yeah, them. Yeah, he's written, it's the most recent. Um, it was titled Kiss and Makeup. Yeah, I read that one. Okay. Yep. So yeah, Gene Simmons in his autobiography revealed that he was the child of a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. Okay. The co-founder and bassist of Kiss is just one of Rock's many Holocaust survivor second generation children. Um, and uh, he, uh, you know, he's also one of the most commercially successful uh, artists with one of the, arguably one of the, possibly the most commercially successful band. 
And he writes that his mother, uh, Flora Klein, she was a Hungarian Jew. She was sent to concentration camps at age 14, where she saw most of her family wiped out in the gas chambers. Okay. Um, the truth is the ghostly tentacles of the Holocaust, which, um, you know, it's very easy to turn a blind eye and to forget. A lot of revisionists are trying to make that happen on their own. Um, they they basically have reached farther and wider than perhaps realized, even casting a shadow on rock music. Because Simmons, as I said, is but one of a number of prominent rock and pop musicians whose families suffered during the Holocaust. The, the flesh and blood connection to such a cataclysm has, has colored their lives in music. Piano Man Billy Joel, Rush vocalist Getty Lee, Proko Haram lyricist Keith Reed, War harmonica player Lee Oscar, Ten Wheel Drive lead singer Jenya Robin, all are children of those who survived the Holocaust. Hmm. As is my next artist, the great singer-songwriter Dan Byrne. Okay. Dan Byrne, now as I said, he's also known as Bernstein. He's an American guitarist, singer, songwriter, novelist, and painter. He is a prolific composer. He's written over 1,000 songs. He's best known for his masterpieces, Jerusalem, Maryland, and Tiger Woods. Arguably his three most famous and his three most popular. Byrne has released 25 albums and EPs. He's played thousands of shows across North America and Europe. He is a captivating live performer with a loyal, multi-generational following. Annie DeFranco uh, was an early supporter of Burns. Uh, She took him on tour with her and produced his second album, 50 Eggs. And Byrne has written original songs for the films Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story. John C. Riley. Yeah, in fact, he wrote every song for that that movie, yeah. Um, And he also wrote the music for Get Him to the Greek, as well as the 15-song soundtrack for Everett Ruiz' Wilderness Song, oh. which was a documentary produced by Jonathan Demme. Um, he has uh, hosted a podcast titled 10,000 Crappy Songs, which does exactly what we did last month, calling out the horrible recordings that have been released and charted. Uh, he runs the 24-7 internet radio station Radio Free Bernstein. He's also a visual artist, um, Burns' paintings are on display at the Ho- Herbert Hoover. I almost, yeah, yeah, almost I, I, got, I struggled struggled last wrong. Week yeah. with that. Um, yeah, um, basically, is is <laughs> his painting? Hub- Hubert, Her- <laughs> yeah, Hubert Humphrey, maybe is where you were going. <laughs> maybe, I'm not I don't sure, know. Um, but yeah, uh, Burns' paintings are on display at the Herbert Hoover Presidential Museum, at the Bob Feller Museum. Uh, Burn is the author of several books, including his latest um, Encounters. Um, and a, a collection of poetry based on Burns' chance meetings of such figures as Jimmy Carter, Bruce Springsteen, Hunter S. Thompson, Will Chamberlain. And yet, most people I talk to have never heard of him. Yeah, I hadn't. So, his music has been compared to that of Dylan, Woody Guthrie, Springsteen, Phil Oaks, Tom Petty. Um, and I will add to that list our good friend Wally Pleasant. Mm-hmm, very much. Okay. Uh, Burns' song, well, Talk... good friend... Wow, yeah. I'm taking some creative. We've, we've corresponded with him. Yeah, you on have. Several I've, I've never talked to him. I'm, I'm, I'm like super jealous. Wally Pleasant yeah. does um, our theme song. Yeah, very by the way. jealous. I've never actually. Yeah, um, but um, creative license. He's yes. a, he's our good friend at the moment. Yes, so, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, talking Woody, Bob, Bruce, and Dan Blues, which I was talking to Dave about here at the beginning. Um, that was the one that I really suggested because um, in that he offers a joking take 
on this influence of these artists, uh, presented in a style of a Guthrie or a Dylan talking blues song, and as I said, containing a spoof of Springsteen's Atlantic City as well. Uh, when asked about the similarity between himself and Dylan, uh, Dan Byrne once quipped, I guess Bob Dylan was sort of the Dan Byrne of the 60s. <laughs> Uh, he's known for his sardonic literary lyrics, a range of musical styles, and a folk music style paired with rock instrumentation. Now, his songs are rife with social and political humor, okay? Uh, but they are also deeply influenced by his Jewish faith. His work often deals um, with his Lithuanian Jewish ancestry, as in songs like Lithuania. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Byrne often goes by the name Bernstein. The name Bernstein is a reference to his Lithuanian Jewish ancestry, because on a trip to Lithuania, he learned it was his family's name before immigration to the United States. This trip affected him deeply, um, because he traced his family through the concentration camps, counting who passed, how many, and, and so forth. And inspired by Dick Gregory's autobiographical work, which is titled with the end where I'm not going to actually say sure. that one. But um, he basically was an, it, so inspired by that uh, autobiograph- autobiography by Dick Gregory and so moved by his trip to Lithuania learning about his family's history with the Holocaust that between 1997 and 2003, many of his tours and recordings featured a regular cast of backup musicians, which he began calling the International Jewish Banking Conspiracy, (laughs) or the IJBC. And he had a string of albums titled New American Language, The Swastika EP, Fleeting Days, and My Country 2, the Roman numeral 2, all released under the name Dan Byrne in the International Jewish Banking Conspiracy name. Um, Like comedian and social activist Dick Gregory's best-selling autobiography, these albums in particular unapologetically laced humor with hard truths to encourage real dialogue about the injustices faced by minorities in America. Uh, They were also cautionary recordings in reference to the rise of anti-Semitism since Y2K, which continues to worsen both here and around the world. What's more, they deliberately called out those who turn a blind eye to it. But make no mistake, the Jewish themes that run through his songs are not all paired with political rhetoric. His 2013 album, Hanukkah Songs, for example, is just a fun and funny example of his Jewish pride. And the songs are very family, very kid-friendly as well. It's from this album that I am taking Waffle House Hanukkah, a song that uh, celebrates the December festival by eating Waffle House hash browns. (laughs) Uh, Byrne has... Byrne has been on my short list for the past three holiday episodes, but he, but he never quite made the cut. But for a novelty mixtape, you know his seat his seat at the table was guaranteed this time. Waffle House Hanukkah is just to me it, it's hilarious because if there are two things that I do not pair together, it would be Waffle House and Hanukkah. Yeah, and, I'd imagine that's a tough pairing. Yeah, but putting them together and having him celebrate Hanukkah with a new topping on his hash browns each night for the eight days, it's classic. So um, I always include the Hanukkah songs here and there on, on our episodes, but this one, folks, uh, I'm, I'm asking all of our Jewish listeners, please give me some feedback. Let me know what you think of this, because this is one of my absolute favorite Hanukkah tunes which I say tongue in cheek because they're like maybe, sure. maybe two dozen, <laughs> two dozen ever recorded. So you know, but um, yeah, no, it's I, 
just really wanted to include it. Sorry, I took a long no, de- detour I'm to get glad there, but I didn't know much about anything yeah. about him. But um, yeah, the history and just um, I don't know. Starting off with a, a lead in about you know Gene Simmons and the Holocaust. Hey, you probably made you made it there. Probably not expected, you, you know, for a holiday episode. But I, I, you know, this was a story that I, I wanted to share. So very good. There you also, go. I'll have to listen to more of his stuff. All right, my not official last pick, because we have kind of a, a bonus pick, but my last official pick is I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas from 1953, another old classic. Um, if I did not pick this next song, I would be sleeping on the couch through New Year's, because this is my wife's favorite holiday novelty song. <laughs> likes hippopotami for whatever reason anyway um that's Hitta- her favorite animal hippopotamuses yeah <laughs> and um i i don't I, I get the idea that this song it was a hit in 1953 but that didn't really emerge again until more recently when radio stations were trying to find content for their 24 7 christmas coverage from what seems like halloween through new year's yeah and um you know songs like this and dominic the donkey and um there just there are a couple um marshmallow world a lot of songs that had been around for a long time but really weren't part of the christmas canon until recently and some of them are very much overplayed this one's probably overplayed too but like i said for my wife right um 10 year old gala peavy from oklahoma city sings this classic novelty tune from 1953 after the success of the song the city launched a fundraiser to buy hippopotamus for peavy yep and she was presented this incredible gift on Christmas, and then the hippo went to live at the city zoo for the next 50 years. The song has been covered by artists over the years, uh, most recently by Casey Musgraves, which I like Casey Musgraves. I'll have to listen to her version of it. Yeah. The song had modest success originally making it to 24 on the Billboard charts, but like a lot of canon Christmas songs, it's become a classic over the decades, and now is a part of the holidays as much as Rudolph and Dominic. Dominic. You had to bring up Dominic. <laughs> I didn't choose Dominic. I know you didn't. I don't like that song. Do I have to put it on the mentions list? <laughs> you don't have okay, to. Okay, good. There's no, there's no we, we put him there before. <laughs> Once was enough. I, I just, that's another man that I just, oh, Dominic <laughs> the donkey. Okay. 
All right. Well, this would normally be our last track, but as Dave said, there is a, a special Christmas gift that we're going to present you with here at the end of the episode. So my 12th and final pick is not the last song of the mixtape. Still, here it is. I give you, you probably knew it was coming if you knew that it has been recorded. Um, a lot of people don't know that he went this this high uh, numerically. But this would be the Hanukkah song part four. Is this the highest volume? This is the highest volume. So that means volume. this is our last season of the show then. Because <laughs> <laughs> we had one for every season. We can't go off tradition now. Uh-uh-uh. But there is a cover of the Hanukkah song by, you ready? Yeah. Neil Diamond. Interesting. Tell me that doesn't deserve a place. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. <laughs> season five. I'm working on it, folks. Put on Yamakai. Here comes So much fun to celebrate Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the festival of lights. Instead of one day of presents, we get cake. <laughs> when you feel like the only kid in town without a Christmas tree. Here's the fourth list of people who are Jewish. Just like Jesus, Olaf, Punky Brewster, Scott Rudin, and me. Joseph Gordon-Levitt enjoys eating kugel. So does Stanley Jake Gyllenhaal and the two guys who founded Google. Adam Levine wears a Jewish star, so does Drake and Seth Rogen. Goldberg has a gold yarmulke to match the belt he won from Hulk Hogan. We got Scarlett Johansson, talk about a kosher crush. And if you need a higher voice to turn you on, how about Getty Lee from The Hanukkah Song Part 4, this is the most recent and the last one that Adam Sandler has recorded, came out in 2015. It was a single release. You're not going to find it on an album. Um, Sandler wrote the original Hanukkah Song um, with Saturday Night Live writers Lewis Morton and Ian Max Tone Graham. Uh, He first performed it on the show's Weekend Update segment in December of 94. And the song, of course, details how Jewish kids feel left out during the Christmas season and he rattles off a list of celebrities who are full Jews, part Jews, and converted Jews. And not a Jew. And not a Jew, <laughs> yeah. He also name drops a few non-Jews uh, with celebratory emphasis on O.J. Simpson in the original. Um, after incorporating it into a stand-up routine, he included the song on the 96 comedy album, What the Hell Happened to Me. And since then, he has written three follow-ups to the song, each with a new list of celebs. Um now, as I said, I recently discovered, I never knew this, Neil Diamond covered the original on his 2009 album, A Cherry Cherry Christmas, <laughs> with some altered lyrics. Um, instead of Tom Cruise isn't Jewish, but his agent is, Neil Diamond sings Tom Cruise isn't Jewish, but Jesus Christ is. <laughs> Which, interesting take there. I've, How does he handle the marijuana? Um 
have to wait until I play it for you next okay. year. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> now, Steve Carell, um, also, he spoofed the original on The Office when he sang the Diwali song Yes. during a Hindu Diwali festival, uh, an annual autumn celebration <laughs> in the season three episode, Diwali. Um, but much like how Adam Sandler's Thanksgiving song remains a holiday classic, the, uh, the comedian's The Hanukkah Song continues to be an unofficial anthem for the Jewish Festival of Lights. And since the seasonal favorite debuted in 94, Sandler, uh, as I said, he, he twice uh, updated the track in 99 and 2002, uh, giving us new lists of famous Jews that celebrate eight crazy nights. Then he had a 13-year layoff because it was 13 years later. He took, I mean, that's a long span of time given how quick and succession the first three came out um but finally he came out with this newest newest version uh the hanukkah song part four um now in the 13 years since that last hanukkah song part three there have been plenty of prominent new menorah lighting actors musicians and billionaires emerge uh this new one mentions joseph gordon levitt seth rogan maroon five's adam levine drake scarlett johansson jake gyllenhaal and jared from subway and Jared from Subway, <laughs> yes. Um, I was going to say the two guys that founded Google, but yeah, we can... <laughs> God damn it, a Jew, yes, is, uh, to, to quote Sandler. Uh, we, we may not have a cartoon with a reindeer that can talk, but we also don't have polio, thanks to Dr. Jonas Salk. That was a good line. Smart Jew is how <laughs> Sandler sings it. Uh, and Jared from Subway, yeah. Um, but guess who's Jewish and can fix him? Love Lions, Dr. Drew. That was good. So. That was good. There you go. There is my last pick for. I feel like he continue those for for many years. Oh, to come. he could. He he would never run out. Yeah. All right. So our bonus song, um, Alan and I, like a lot of eugenics out there, uh, may have had a particular record in your collection as a child. Uh, I know both of us um, did, and that was this little obscure record, not quite as bad as the Star Wars Holiday Special. Pretty close. Though. <laughs> But, uh, but but what was great for kids? It was a an album called Christmas in the Stars, yep. and it was um, actually um, narrated and performed by uh, Anthony Daniels, um, who is still reprising his role as C three PO most recently in um, Ahsoka. Did you watch Ahsoka? Yeah, very very good, very good. And um, <laughs> there's a long there's a long history to this record. Um, I'll just give it in brief here. You know, of course, they were trying to capitalize on the success of Star Wars. Everybody was, and there's a producer, actually co-founder of the um, of the um, oh, what's the name of the the studio? Why can't I remember it now? Power Station in New York City, Springsteen recorded there. A lot of people recorded there. Uh, a guy by the name of Tony Bongianovi, Bongianovi. I think I'm pronouncing that correct. I think so. And uh, he and cobbled together um, the the disco Star Wars um, song that became a huge hit. But Miko, yeah. What's that? By Nico. Yes, yes. It became a huge hit. And um, he was kind of looking to do something again like that and uh, had George Lucas's blessing. George Lucas wanted to make sure that, you know, nothing crazy was done with the characters. I'm assuming after the holiday special, he had to be really careful. This is 1979. This was right before the release of uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yoda had been released to the world in a limited capacity. People were aware of Yoda and kind of anticipating um, the second installment of Star Wars. And so to pull something like this off, they had to find a songwriter, which was difficult, but they found a kind of a struggling composer who agreed to do this. He also performs on the record, but uh, chose not to include his name. <laughs> and um, this guy had a six-year-old who was into Star Wars, and so he really wanted to do something you know, for the kids. 
And so it became a concept album of droids um, who specifically make uh, Santa Claus uh, toys for Christmas. Yes. And um, the songs kind of shoot off from that. Um, there's one song that was kind of a minor hit. It didn't quite hit the top 40, but came close. And that is, uh, what do you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb? Uh, that got some airplay. And uh, there's Christmas in the Stars, which is the opening uh, track. Just, you know, little odds and ends things here. Um, I believe, um, i trying to think who else. There were a couple other. Now, they were thought about putting... Uh, Mark Hamill and um, and uh, Harrison Ford and, and um, Carrie Carrie Fisher yeah. on, but uh, none of them can sing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they decided not to, and so they kind of kept it to the droids and Wookiee and so forth. And um, they, they do have Yoda though. There, yeah, there yeah. is a track where Yoda is featured. There's a track yeah. with Yoda, but then um, the album probably has the most notoriety because of one little trivia fact uh, that some people know. A lot of people don't know this. That Tony uh, Bon Jovi had a cousin by the name of John, who was much younger. In fact, he had a job at the studio sweeping the floors. And cousin Tony, the producer, kept trying to get his little cousin signed to a record deal and had a very, very difficult time doing it. And so when they needed someone to sing on the track uh, R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, um, he gave his cousin an opportunity for the first time to um, appear on a recording course that artist would later change his name to John Bon Jovi and become the superstar from New Jersey that we all know. Artu, where are you? Oh, there you are. Well, if you come over here, you'll find a wonderful surprise. You'll have to plug into the central computer to hear what it is. That's right. No, it's not a phase letter. It's your Christmas present. Jovi's first recorded track. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did I cover everything on that? There's a lot. I just tried to give. You can. I think there, so. There's a lot of history. There yeah. The, I, there, as far as the record, yeah, I mean, it's it's expansive. Um, I will say that all the children singing on R2D2, we wish you a yeah, Merry executive Christmas. kids. They're all yeah. executive kids. Um, and, and then they had they had four different corners of the studio. Yeah. With four hanging microphones, one microphone was not turned on. That was all the kids that couldn't sing. They moved them to that corner. Really? <laughs> yes. That I that I did not know. That is hilarious. All the ones that couldn't sing went in one corner, and they just kept that mic off. That is so <laughs> funny. Um, yeah, it's it's. Now here's the thing: we we can play you the sample here like we normally do. We cannot include it on the mixtape because it is not on Spotify. My guess is it probably never will be because this is. But you can get it on YouTube. Yeah, you can, and you can you can still find the. I mean, if you're willing to pay 
a decent chunk of cash. You can find it on eBay. You know, there, there are several. I, I looked just out of curiosity. Cheapest I found on Bino was sixty bucks. Yeah. Um, but on CD it was a bit cheaper because there was a CD um, reissue. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't last long. It was limited limited print but um yeah it was just dave and i were talking and i i said to him you know i'm really tempted to include something from christmas and the stars but of course we wouldn't be able to put it on our playlist that we make and we decided why don't we go ahead and give you a 25th song on the podcast and that would keep our 24 you know our 24 songs on the the playlist as usual. I'm just so. hoping that there's a large swath of our audience that's familiar with this record but literally has not thought about it since yeah. the 1980s. Maybe we have, um, you know, tapped into something there because it isn't one that you see the holiday special now. Everyone's been talking about that for right. years now and circulating on the internet. But uh, I don't hear much about the Christmas and the stars. So hopefully no. we've reawakened some nostalgia for our listeners. Hope so. Yeah. I and what, as you said, what do you get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already has a comb? I mean, that one, that one was actually fairly well known, and I've actually found a few covers of it on Spotify. Mm, interesting. No, by nobody we know, right? Right. You know, but but it's it, it's it's out there. Um, the album itself, yeah, it's pretty much long forgotten. And he, what's what's so interesting about that is because there is a large contingent of uh, a large, very loyal following of. Bon Jovi mm-hmm. fans and I'd be willing to bet most of them do not know he's on that track he got his start on an obscure Star Wars Christmas album so the album almost failed uh, twice um, once because the song that the composer originally wrote for Yoda dealt with Christmas um, in a little more of a spiritual sense and George Lucas was concerned because he didn't want to confuse Christianity with the force and that whole mythology now, the fact that they're Santa hats and they're still talking about Christmas, I, I don't know how that's different, but I guess he felt like the Yoda song, and I didn't see the lyrics, but it was a little too much on the nose. And so he canceled the project. And the producers had already invested money and time and songwriting and performance, and a lot of the tracks were already laid. And so the composer um, met with Lucas and said, listen, I've worked with musicals, and when one song doesn't work, we don't scrap the whole musical, we rewrite the song. And so he promised he'd rewrite the song. He did, and Lucas was happy with it, and so it went on. Then, I think it was like a day or two before, like 150,000 records had already been pressed, and um, RKO Records folded. They they closed up their offices, and they went out of business. And so they thought, boy, this is going to be tough. So they did release those 150,000. It was then picked up by another label, then had more of a a wider release after that. But uh, it was an album that almost didn't happen. Yeah. Pretty fascinating, but but it's it's specifically for kids. Now Lucas will argue that all Star Wars is for kids, and he got a lot of flack for the first uh, prequel and Jake Lloyd, and and he kept reminding people, hey, this is a story for kids. Don't lose sight of that. Uh, but it's obviously grown way beyond what uh, mm. Lucas ever imagined. Right. Um, so it's important to kind of keep this and, and and the holiday special as well. Uh, they're for kids. Yeah. Which is weird because all the guest stars on. The uh, holiday special was, is nobody that we would have known as kids. Art Carney and B. Arthur and yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Was Donna Summer on there as well? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think. It was kind of like the Muppet Show. We didn't know a lot of the guest stars. Yeah. I think that was more for the parents. Last year, no, two years ago, Joel bought me the Star Wars Christmas special on Blu-ray. Oh, wow. Where he found it, I don't oh, know, yeah, but he bought it for me. And it, I, I went back and watched it you know, for the first time in years, you know, with all of them singing about... 
Lumpy. <laughs> yeah, all lumpy. Well, the, the entire every time the Wookiees are on, and, and there's no there are no subtitles, of course, so it's just growling right. back and forth. And what's but, with the makeup? Mark Hamill's makeup. Oh right? yeah, it's so bad. But it's like it, David Bowie. But it is the special that introduced the world to Boba Fett. It is so, the little yeah. animated short. Yeah, but um, nonetheless, yeah, Life Day. And they're singing about their orbs. It's it's a very interesting concept. <laughs> um, now you bring up a good point with the Santa hats, though. How in a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago, predating the birth of Jesus, they're celebrating Christmas. But I've always asked the same thing about the Flintstones holiday special. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, it's like um, you know, it's only been a, a holiday. You ever for, wonder why Fred Flintstone didn't just jump through the window? Uh, yeah. Clearly enough space for him. When yes, he's there to get is. In the door there at the end yeah. of the sequence. Agreed. I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, we, well, don't get me started on the Flintstones. <laughs> we can talk Flintstones. We, well, we, we have to come up with an order. Yeah, we can talk with animation a uh, long time. We do need an order. We need to sequence these songs. And right. they are all over the place. So We will be right back after this. And we're back. Here's right. what we came up with. Alan? All right. So we begin track one on side A, a Star Wars Hanukkah. That is followed by You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, which leads into Mr. Heat Miser by Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, Christmas at Ground Zero by Weird Al Yankovic, followed by Snoopy's Christmas by the Royal Guardsmen, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth by Spike Jones and his City Slickers, Nothing for Christmas by Stan Freeberg, I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas by Gayla Peavy, Things I Want by Tenacious D and Some 41, I saw Mother Kissing Krampus by Gallows Humor, followed by Ghost Reindeer in the Sky by the Carolyn Stills combo, Waffle House Hanukkah by Dan Byrne, and we end side A with Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer by Elmo and Patsy. Now, a lot of those songs don't seem like they would work together. They work together. But musically, it is one of the best flowing, best segued. It's really eerie (laughs) how well those songs are work together um, side B we begin with Yabba Dabba Yuletide uh, by the Brian Setzer Orchestra followed by 8675309 Jenny the Christmas version by Tommy Two-Tone the 12 Days of Christmas by Bob and Doug McKenzie followed by the Christmas Thong by Robert Lund <laughs> Dick in a Box by Lonely Island featuring Justin Timberlake the Chimney Song by Bob Rivers followed by I Yes Go Nuts at Christmas by Yogi Jorgensen Deck the Stills by Bare Naked Ladies, followed by Soylent Night by the Kinsey Six, Jingle Bells Drag by the Three Stooges, and we end our two-part episode with the Hanukkah song, Part Four by Adam Sandler. Very good. There you go. There is our fourth holiday two-part. Well, they all weren't two parts, were they? No, not the beginning. I'm trying to remember the first one. Was that when we went to... To, I, I don't know. But regardless, there is season four. So um, that's it. That's all. So That's the last one for the year. Last one. Now, our season's not over, though. Nope. And we return in about two weeks' time with a theme that was chosen by Dave. We're going to be talking about the world's oldest profession. Are we going with that one? That's the one I was kind of half with. kidding, but I found enough songs that... Oh, there are plenty covers. of songs, yeah. Oh, do you not want to go there? No, that's fine. That's okay. all good, yeah. Songs you, about prostitution, yeah. why not? You brought it up, and I thought, <laughs> let's look. And I just, for whatever reason, yeah. realized that there were a lot of songs oh, about there are prostitutes. A hell of a lot of songs about Some prostitutes. Some of them fairly tender. Yeah. yeah. Some of them are very loving and sweet. 
That and stalking. <laughs> that's the other one I noticed that we could oh, do. Oh, st- stalking. stalking. Yeah, there are hundreds. Um, or presidents. <laughs> I seriously, I do want you to All share right. that with me. All I'm right. curious. I'm going to give it a listen. Um, but anyway, um, happy holidays, um, and we will see you in two weeks. Again, please, if you are willing, if you like what we do, leave us a review on, uh, especially Apple Podcasts. Um, and uh, also, you can leave us a review. You can, you can give us a star rating on. Spotify. You can mm-hmm. give us a review on, on Facebook. Reviews everywhere help as we continue to try and build our, our listening audience. Um, please do continue to write in. Um, we, we love hearing from our, our listeners. Uh, the email is still, what is it? Is uh, it genxmixtapepodcast at gmail.com? I think it's that, but yep. um, do we do we still have the, the other one too? podcast at Gen X mixtape Doug. I don't know if we saw that one or not. Check our website folks. Yeah. <laughs> We're all yeah. promoting ourselves. Yeah, we, we are. We have a Patreon account and we still don't know what to do with it. We've been talking about that here uh, behind the scenes lately too. So might be doing something with the Patreon uh, sometime soon. Um, it is Gen X mixtape podcast at gmail.com. gmail.com. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, otherwise I think that is about it. So, well, that's all for this year. Hot fun, cool punk, even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits in 2024. Ah, no, scratch that. Why? Rewind, because we are also notoriously bad at naming our episodes. Okay. So, trying to think. I yes go nuts at Christmas. Does that work for this one? That works for me. All right. Perfect. Continue. All right. Let's do that again. <laughs> well, that's all for this year. Hot fun, cool punk, even if it's old junk. Another mix of memories awaits in 2024. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, hit eject, and ladies and gentlemen, we will see you on the flip side. Sitting in a box undigified Gonna rewind and give them one more try Think about the days of lo-fi Mixtape Memorex and TDK Getting music out there the old-fashioned way Making the greatest hits of one day Mixtape Phonograph and dual cassette Before you could get everything on the internet But some things ain't made it there yet Mixtape Line in, line out if you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker, turn the volume to nine Here's an accidental slice of time
like the mixtape They're musty and dusty And sometimes when you want a start Everything just falls apart Driving real late, Delta 88 45 on the side, then I'm through the state No iPod shuffle, you know your fate Mixtape Compiled by a friend, amateur DJing With no concern for what format's playing It was more about what the songs were saying Mixtape Got some Merle Haggard an old George Jones, someone yelling in the background I thought I heard a phone But it's nice when you're all alone To have a mixtape Line in, line out If you don't have a line Hold the recorder to the speaker Turn the volume to nine There's an accidental slice of time 